0: On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's gonna make you sick.
1: everyone to another episode of four stars podcast today we have an olympian a man who is who breeds excellence his name is justin best he hails from drexel men's rowing and he's also in the olympics he sits two seat in the u.s men's eight and i am so happy to have him on today justin thank you so much for joining on
0: yeah thank you thank you for having me um and uh, excited to be here
1: it's my pleasure and it's it's something that I've been looking forward to have you on the podcast for a long time so I'm happy we got a chance to talk introduce yourself a little bit just kind of share about who you are and like you know things that you've been able to accomplish I can read your whole resume but I feel like I just be doing too much so let's hear let's hear from you about you know what you've been able to accomplish in the last you know a couple of years that you've been around in the sport
0: sure yeah um so I can I can kind of give you the the very brief spiel um I started rowing in like the summer of 2011 in a small club in Delaware. So like really, really tiny club. Um, I ended up rowing for that club a little bit and then ended up found, helping found my high school. Uh, like It's a public high school just over the border in Pennsylvania um, team. And so I rode all through there. I was on the junior national team in 2015 um, and did uh, Canamex in 2014 as well. So went through the system. Uh, I was recruited to row at Drexel, uh, so I rode there for four years, um, and then I we also rode on the U-23 national team during the summers of my junior and senior year, um, and then after graduating a little bit early, I packed my things and moved to Oakland, California, where the training center was, uh, the U.S. Men's Heavyweight Sweep Training Center, that is. Um, so, packed my things, moved out there, you know, hoping to make a spot in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Get there. I'm there for like three months. So it was January I moved there. And then uh, obviously COVID shut everything down and, and delayed the Olympics a full year. And so um, after that, took a, like lots of time to train and get better and improve. And then I was uh, fortunate enough to make the Tokyo 2020 Olympics that were held in 2021. Like you said, I was two of the men's eight and uh, still rowing. So going for Paris of 2024, um, I will actually be rowing the men's pair at the upcoming world championships um, in Riciccia, Czech Republic. So 2022, um, just going to give that a new, a shot. It's, it's something fresh with the sport. I've never done a full campaign in a small boat of only, you know, internationally raced in eights. So really excited about that and, uh, buttoning down training and looking forward to that. That's at the end of September. So that's just like a little high end overview of me. Um, and, and, you know, if you have any further detailed questions, I can more than happy to answer them.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. You know, Coach Savelle at Drexel, you know, how did he really shape your your mindset of the Olympics? And how did, how is he a big support system with you when you were going through that process?
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. Coach Savelle has always been, you know, in my corner. Um, I think, like, there was one time that he was in contact with a U23, like, kind of program coordinator. Um, and the, the guy, you was know, suggesting going for, like, the university games, I think, which is – um, hell, I don't, I don't know the exact details about that, but essentially, uh, my coach Savelle was, was like, no, 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 no. Like this kid needs to go for the U23 team, not the university games. Like this, this kid is worth it, you know? And, and so, you know, he was really in my corner from that. And fortunately I was able to make the team that year. And then we went and we won. And, and, um, so from, from that aspect, you know, and I was like text back and forth with him, you know, he's a great guy, great coach. So, um, I'm, you know, really good relationship with him. And he's always been, you know, like you, you can do, go as far
1: as you want to go. And so having a coach like that, really good. You know, for somebody, for somebody who's really interested in taking their sport to the next level, which is the Olympics, you know, the highest, the highest you can make, you know, they have NBA that, you know, you have, you have high school ball, you have college basketball and then you may go up to the NBA you know, for rowing it's the Olympics is like the prime, you know, the professional as you can call it. Um, your mentality when you were in high school to college to now the Olympics, you know, wh- has anything stayed the same? Has anything changed? Obviously, the competition has increased, but what have you been able to do? How have you been able to go into each race? You know, ha- walking through how you you know get your mentality right right before we gotta. To-
0: um. Well, I, I'll I'll say like in high school, uh, it was always keeping in the back of, uh, of my head. Like so, I I, I spoke to you recently uh, over the phone. It was like. I was not very good in high school, uh, especially starting out as pretty slow. I think my first ever 2k was around like 805 to like 810, somewhere in there. I don't know. the exact score, but so, you know, I was very, very at the bottom, you know, it's not like I sat on an erg and went like 630, my first erg test. Um, so keeping that in mind, I, I always knew that I could do more and always knew that there was something else that I could focus on something else that could drive me. And then even when I was seeing success and seeing, you know, small improvements. I always kept in the back of my head, okay, what are my competition doing? Like, what, what What are those kids that are making the U19 national team? What are they doing right now? I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more than them. Um, and I think like keeping that mentality of like, it's good to do self-comparison, but you need to know where you stand. So having that mentality, I've always had that. And, and even now it's like thinking, okay, uh, you know, been in the sport now, 10 years, what are some other things that I can do to keep seeing that improvement, to keep pushing the the envelope? And then I think some things that have changed over the years is um, it, there was always the oh work really, really, really hard. You already have to do that. Everyone's already doing that. So you have to add in the component when you get up to that level of working smart as well. So it's it's a twofold thing. You have to push yourself to the like to the brink you know, in training and racing and whatnot, but you also need to find ways you can be smart with your recovery, with your racing, with your um, technical approach, whatever it is, you have to be smart as well, because there's a bunch of other people around the world and, you know, domestically that, that can work really hard. So I think that's one thing that I've kind of developed as I've progressed through the sport
1: as well. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, your time that you spent in Oakland has there been any times that you feel like you've like struggled a lot with trying to just keep your head on right like I know I know that like Oakland California it's very expensive you know you get your monthly stipend from like the U.S. Uh, for like you know the Olympics and things can be very costly how have you been able to manage trying to keep yourself up there and being able to have your head on straight you know it's a lot going on at once you know you're still a young kid like how does it walk me through how that goes with you
0: uh, yeah, so, you know, it. it is not, like, it's not, all right, I, I will say, like, it's a blessing that I get to do what I do every single day. You know, I have a wonderful support system of my family, my friends, loved ones. Um, so, I'm not, there's, there's no room for me to complain. Things could be so much worse. But there are, obviously, some difficulties that come with living, honestly, anywhere. But in Oakland, specifically, um, I got my car stolen twice. And so like that's just another barrier, another like aggravator or whatever it is, you know, that prevents you from doing what you need to do to make the boat go faster at the end of the day. And so a mentality that I've tried to adopt and, and it is really just how you look at things like, yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, I'm angry about something, but it's you have to ask yourself, what can you like control and when you go back and you dial everything back and you get down to the nuance of like what you can control and what you actually can't control. And you focus on what you can control. Like that is where you can really get, you know, that mental edge, even when you're down on yourself or you're out in a single and it's choppy water and, and you're, you're in pain and, and like the practice isn't going well, or even like a week isn't going well, it's thinking, okay, what about this situation can I can control because you can get so down on yourself. You can get sad. You can get angry. You can, you know, any various, you can get confused emotion, you know, but it, for me boiling it down to, okay, I can go a little harder on this piece. I can try and row a little longer or I could, uh, you know, adjust my training program. I could eat a little more. I can do like thinking about those things that you can control. It's almost like a coping mechanism. Um, that is really helpful for me. Um, and, and in that, you know, example that I said, you know, like got my car stolen, like, yeah, I was really, really angry. I even bought a, uh, a club for the steering wheel and it just sawed right through it. Um, so, so thinking, okay, you know what, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to organize my finances. I'm going to look at all these options that I have and feel like I am controlling the path and getting, getting past this, you know, issue. That that is really helpful for me. And, and I think that can be applied to like, not even just rowing, you know, honestly, it's like anything in life, you know, you can get overwhelmed by so much stuff that's going on, but going back to what you can control and what you can't control, and just almost not even thinking about what you can't control. I think that's
1: really helpful. Having control in one's life is like, is super difficult. And it's like you having, you can't really control others. It's, and I've been learning that my whole entire life. Like, I've always been trying to make people better and make, trying to make trying to make everyone's life a lot better and, and being very selfless to them. But I feel like a lot of the times people aren't going to do the same to me, you know, and I'm not going to get that same thing Definitely. back. And I'm not going to ask it for return, but it's just like, you can just see as you get older, and you learn like the differences between each individual and how they interact with you. Um, absolutely, absolutely. This, this sport of rowing has taught me so much about myself. Like you were saying, how it's, it's not just about rowing, but it's a life lesson. Has there been even times that you've like really just like, had difficulty in rowing but like use that same mindset or mentality that you've learned through rowing in a different part of your life does that make any sense like oh yeah oh, no no
0: no, of- I, no yeah 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 absolutely so so i work at a uh, investment bank in san francisco and you know it's a lot of the times it's some pretty hard long hours and work um it's not the worst work but it, it just takes time and takes you know effort and energy and it's, it's the same exact approach. You're not going to be good at it at first, right? But like the way that I saw rowing was what I put in, I can get out. And I kept seeing those small, small returns, right? And it's keeping that same mentality, but with, with my job, right? Um, doing investment banking, there's a lot of different skills that you have to pick up. It's like modeling in Excel, or you need to be able to manage many things at one time. So time management, like skills that you don't think about, while you're out on the water, you're actually developing, you know, the commitment to finding the attention to detail, but also being able to multitask, but time management, and then, you know, being able to communicate with others, like these small skills, like, are very, very like important in, in jobs, you know, and whatever job you end up doing. Um, so there's a lot of life lessons to be learned while doing the sport, which is pretty unique. Um, I wouldn't say, to all sports but you know rowing is one of the few sports where you're literally all in the same boat especially in team boats unless you're out in the single um and and i think that's a unique opportunity that you can really develop these soft skills that you know you wouldn't necessarily get
1: anywhere else in any other community what age and and well stated what age did you figure out that you really wanted to go to the olympics like what was like what what clicked for you what sparked in your head to be like all right this is i'm i'm going to the olympics no one's gonna stop me
0: yeah like I, in I, you know, in high school, like, you know, I was freshman, sophomore. I wasn't really like taking it seriously. Um, and then I saw some progress and then I went to youth national. Actually, you know what? It was youth nationals when I went uh, sophomore year. I was in the lightweight four. And I got down to, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was looking around at all these kids and like, they're taller than me. They're bigger than me. They're like moving boats in the way that I could never imagine, like hope to imagine to do. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is the level of sport that I want to keep pursuing. And so it was like a small chunk right there. And so then, you know, I found out about the junior national team system. A, a kid in my, my team at, in my hometown actually went through it. He was in uh, the Cox four, I forget which year. And so I saw him do that. And I was like, I want that. Like, that's where I want to be. So go through the ID camps, go through the selection camps, the high performance team, the Canamex team, came back one year and then went for the junior national team. I thought it was really cool getting to travel down to Rio de Janeiro because we were the test event for the 2016 Olympics. So we were down there where the, the Olympians would be racing that around that time a year later. And I remember like sitting at the start line, looking up at the Christ, the Redeemer statue. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is where I want to be. I'm so excited about this. And it's like, I want to be at that next level. Um, so it's kind of like these little chunks along the way i want to push the envelope push the envelope and then like by the end of my high school year i I put in my yearbook that it's like where do you see yourself in 10 years and i said uh hopefully competing for the 2024 olympics um but i didn't anticipate how much i would progress through college i think i thought it was going to be kind of like that linear like very very slow grind but ended up doing like much better on my ergs getting better in the boat um and then when i was on the u23 team i'm like yeah i'm going tilt like no one's like there's there's things that could stop you but I'm putting everything that I had to to get there
1: wow you're you're really in a uh, role model for people that are, are looking to get into that that level of of competition uh what did you tell your family that when you were like mom and dad I'm going to move to Oakland like what what was going to think their heads like you know their son just moving going out across the country
0: yeah I think my mom was a little little upset over the whole move to, to California. She says, uh, it's just a little bit too far, which, you know, a six hour flight. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, but you know, ultimately they were more than supportive. And I think that's something that is relatively unique in my situation is like my parents never rode a day in their life, but they are the biggest rowing fans and rowing like they, they are, you know, huge shout out to them. Cause they, they are just like fully fully behind me. And they were from the first stroke of high school. And I came home from like that summer camp and I was like, mom, I really like this. I really like this so much. And she's like, yes, absolutely. They've drive me to practices, early morning regattas and all that stuff. And, And like, they've been traveling a lot to all my international races. So they unfortunately couldn't go to Tokyo just because of COVID protocols. But we were over in Europe like last week um they were at the world cup two in Poznan. they flew home to the united states and then flew back to the uk uh for henley so like they are fully fully dedicated and like i've you know i'm so appreciative of them and very very thankful that i have them in my corner um but she was like "Ah, oakland's a little too far from me so (laughs) but i'll you know maybe find my way back to the
1: east coast sometime in the future right right right. no i mean East. i mean home is where the heart is and i think uh you know, the heart that you've been able to, you know, grow into, You I mean, you have such a passion for this sport that a lot of people have it. They just don't know where to go. When you go from, you know, the U23s and then going to the Olympics, you got to find some where somewhere to train. You know, why did you decide that you wanted to train in um, in Oakland as in terms of, you know, there was, aren't there other training centers around the U.S. to train at?
0: Yeah. So, so at the time, that was like the hub. So that's where the best sweep athletes would go. Um, I think, when I arrived, there were about twenty-four guys at the training center, um, all vying for a spot in the eight or the four, because we didn't qualify the pair at the previous World Championships. So there were only twelve seats uh, in terms of like male rowers. So I think like that was the spot to be. Um, it was it was head coach was Mike Tady, and then the assistant coach was Tim McLaren, um, and that was the designated U.S. rowing. So it was it was that or. It was a very, very long haul effort of entering a pair and then trying to get a bid through that and then an invitation. So it was pretty much a no brainer to move to California. Um, and then while I, when I was out here, uh, there is a really strong rowing community um, to like help you. Uh, I stayed with a host family who she wrote at Brown. Um, and she was wonderful. You know, I stayed at her like she has a big house that I got to, you know, have my own room, have my own bathroom at and. You know, it, it was a really, really great setup that they had out here. Um, you know, Oakland Strokes is just down the estuary from us. So I picked up some coaching there um, and they were more than supportive of the rowing. Like, like I would do my practice and then show up to their practice. I don't know, like five minutes late, you know, but they were able to, you know, support me as I was trying to like figure out like where I'm going to land and then the support myself. Um, and then also one thing that I didn't really you know comprehend was the value of rowing year round came from the East coast where you had your erg season. And I mean, you're not going to go out and sub 30 degree temperature and if the water's frozen and whatnot. So I think that being able to access the water year round and in, in pretty good locations is uh, like, you, you really need that in a training center. If you want to be good at rowing, like you want to be good at erging. Okay, great. But we're out here. We're trying to make boats go fast. Not, not the machine go burr. So um, I think like that was Something that I didn't really realize that I need like liked, but now you know being here for two three years now i I really appreciate two years, yeah,
1: that's insane, so do you have any off breaks any any off time like you take a day like to just rest and recover, or is it is it every day just grind time?
0: Yes, so our coaches are really good in terms of respecting I'll explain. The training center that I was just discussing, um, was disbanded. Uh, so after Tokyo, no U S boats meddled. Um, and so they went back to the drawing board, like the high performance, like board. Um, and they essentially said, we're going to disband the training centers. We're going to go back to a club centric model and then we're going to hire a chief high performance director, Yosei Verdong shot. So, that happened, and so when that got disbanded, uh, California Rowing Club was refounded. So that had already existed. I think it was like founded in the late 2000s um, when the training center got moved there. It disbanded, but now it's back. So I'm currently rowing for them, and so I have Mike Tady as as a coach, and then Skip Keelt is my other coach. And you know they really respect us as athletes, and then like you know just people, right? So they're not like three times a day, every single day of every single week, and you need to be here like they build a training schedule that I think is very reasonable. It's not like super easy. Right. But it is you're able to get some off days. So like this morning, we did three by four K in singles. Um, I have the afternoon off tomorrow. I just have like a 80 minute to 90 minute cardio session and then I have another afternoon off. And then sometimes like you'll get a full Sunday off, which is great. And, and like, you know, you go through like phases in your training where you're really, really intense for a few weeks, but that's impossible to maintain year round without running into injuries. So, you know, there's only so much the body can physically take. And I think both of their coaches really understand that. And, and so that's another,
1: you know, reason I like training out here. Did Drexel ever help you with recovery? Like did they teach you some great ways to like focus on your body? Yes.
0: Um, I ended up dealing with a rib injury my junior year. And the like head head of sports medicine at Drexel, like he was right right there with me um after my injury. You know, he he wrote the script for X-ray and then the there was another imaging thing that we did and went through. And he was really helpful in, in describing to me. So essentially, for whatever reason, I was like, okay, I want to be more like weight efficient. And so I cut down on added sugars. Um, and he explained to me that he he was doing research in in bone um bone like composition and, and stress related injuries. So I had a rib stress fracture and he said that essentially since I cut out added sugars, I stopped eating like as much calories and unintentionally put my body, like I didn't change how I trained, but I was eating at like a, you know, how, whatever caloric deficit there was, my body kind of went into like a a system of stress. And so then it kind of like compromised the muscle in addition to like, you know, obviously doing rowing. Um, (laughs) So he's like, you cut down on your calories, but you didn't replace what you were eating and refined sugar. So it's not like the sugar was what was good, but it was it was that's what you know ended up happening. Um, so I thought that that was really insightful. Um, and you have access to that as a student athlete at Drexel. Um, and then they have a really good sports nutrition uh, team at Drexel that they would show up at regattas and make us smoothies and protein balls and you know, teach you about recovery and, you know, the the glycemic index and, you know, talking about like a good optimal recovery program. And then, you know, if you wanted a specific dietary need, if you wanted to gain weight, lose weight, you could go to them, you know, in your own time and they could write you like kind of a diet guide. I don't want to say an exact eat this to, you know, at this hour and whatnot, but like they could help you achieve your goals and they were always available as well. So that's what Drexel had to offer
1: that's wonderful. I mean, I know a lot of times people in college realize that they want to be something better than they, than they are when they go into the, into the, into the campus. And I think that having those assets and those outlets to be able to go to and say like, Hey, can you please help me? And they're yeah. willing to do that is is just, you don't really get that as a regular student at the school. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. And,
0: and I will, I will say no, one's going to do it for you. You got to be, you know, put your big boy shoes on and go out and, and, you know, find the right people, ask the right questions. And, you know, coaching staff is more than supportive as well. Um, so, but that's again, any college experience is like, Oh, why, why can't I do this? Why it's like going back to my previous point of control the controllables. You have access to these things. You can go, your controllable is go ask help for help, you know? So no one, you, no one's going to come to you and be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, You're just like, they, they don't know what they don't know and they're only here, there to help you. So you might as well lean into it.
1: Well stated. Has there ever been, ever been a time I'm always curious to know like your teammates in college and even like now like is there been any, any time that you feel like you've helped your teammate like with life or outside of like the rowing world like like is there, like a connection that you guys have with one another that stands out? In terms of like help like
0: I try I try and like you know have conversations like these right with with other people like keep it real not you know try and fluff things. Um, so Hopefully, some of those conversations have helped teammates, right? Um, I can't, you know, name off the top of my head right now, like, oh, this guy, you know, super successful because of me. Like, and, and you know, not going to take any credit for things that I didn't do. Um, but I will say in college, like, I developed some really close bonds with my teammates, and I'm like six years out of five years out of college. I'm all. Oh, confused no less than five it's 2019 I graduated so whatever that is yeah you know many years out of college at this and I'm still in contact with them every single day you know and and whenever they're out in the west we all try and meet up if I'm ever out east I try and meet up with them which I thought was really cool because you have that bond you have that common understanding and it's like oh yep I just got a message from our group chat And, and you build lifelong friendships through crew um, which, you know, you're, you're doing the 6 a.m. run to the boathouse together. You're doing the, the okay, we got to grind time in the, in the library together, right, like to study for an exam because we had a regatta the previous weekend, but now we're just going to, you know, have to send it and, and make sure that we, we pass the class. Um, like, I think that's, that's pretty unique in terms of, like, having access to that. So love, love the guys from, from Drexel that I was, like, friends with. That's,
1: that's great. Uh, I, I hope to one day be able to develop those relationships. And I've actually been able to meet some great people through my podcast channel, which has been awesome. And even yep. people like yourself, which is I'm just so thankful to have now develop this relationship with you. You know what I mean? I can hopefully go to you if I have any questions. And
0: like I try and answer as many like DMs from high school kids as possible. Um, and I try and provide like good advice. Um, cause it, you know, get plenty of questions, uh, you know, ranging from like, oh, how do I get faster? Oh, I want to, you know, gain weight, whatever. And I provide my opinion on them. So maybe, maybe that would, could have answered your question earlier is like, I don't know the impacts that my responses have had. Hopefully they're positive, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I try and answer as many DMs as I can.
1: Well, I think, you know, if you were able to connect, to connect with me and, and to answer it, and I just want to say thank you again. Um, of course. So the last question I do have is when you're in the middle of a race and you're side by side next to you know, a different boat, let's say like when you were at Henley or any, any regatta that you've been to, um, what goes through your head, you know, how, you know, it's small, obviously when you're in the pair or like, you know, smaller boats at the single, like, you don't have a coxswain next to you, but when you are in those bigger boats, the eight, the four, whatever, you know, do you listen to the coxswain or do you think about things in your head that when you're like that last 250, like you got to give it the last, like what goes through your mind?
0: So I think when I was younger, I could, like, hear the coxswain more. But, like, as I've developed, um, we spend a lot of time in blind boats. So singles, pairs, doubles, uh, straight fours. Um, so I've kind of gotten – it's bad, but kind of gotten away from listening to the coxswain, like, during the race. Um, because essentially, like, you've rehearsed your race as much as you have, you know, as much as you can, Right. By the time you're lined up for race day, you know exactly what you're going to be doing when you're going to do it. And, and like, if there's one like big move, like, obviously I'll like tune in, but other than that, like, I kind of have an idea of where I am on the course and, and what I need to do. And and if there's something like glaring, like a coxswain, like sees something like, oh, you, that, that blade is going like way too high. Like, and, and if it's my blade and they make a call for it, I'll make the adjustment. But, you know, beyond that, I'm trying to like, kind of, and this is just like, the small boat in me being more like internal being like kind of focused on what I'm trying to do. Um, and then also it's like when you're racing in a small boat, a lot can change as, whereas like an eight, you can kind of get out and you can kind of see the field and you can kind of control it. In a small boat, a lot of stuff can go on during the race. Cause it's a longer race. It's a smaller boat. this So the boat's not going as fast. It's not as, as much velocity behind it. So, being able to be aware of where you are relative to the field and just kind of having that, like, I need to know, all right, we're a little bit down, but I think we have this much room left. Like that, those are some of the stuff that goes through my mind, at least in the smaller boats.
1: 100% and fitness does come in clutch in the end, you know? <laughs> so oh, yeah, having that good fitness and those, those that training regimen that you follow for sure. Yeah.
0: If, if I had to say something like, you know, become okay with the ERG. You never have to like it. You never have to love it. But if you start dreading it and and you can't get your fitness any, like you, you got to fall, like whatever you can do, that's going to be able to get you physiologically in the spot you need to be. This is the erg. Tatey always says like, Oh, you want to get better at free throws? You go out and you shoot a bunch of free throws. If you want to get better at erging, you don't go run. Right. Like it can help, but you go erg. Um, if anyone can get anything away from that this podcast like become okay with it you know learn to just get through it and and put the meters and the minutes and the miles in and and you will see the response
1: um as
0: much as it sucks
1: (laughs) totally totally i mean i try to teach my my rowers in the best way that i can like to just know that people are here to support you and that they want you to do well they want you to succeed and it's all about your mindset and how you go into it. And you can't go into it tired. You can't go into it like, like feeling like you're not going to accomplish. Like, I always hear people say sometimes, like, Oh, I'm just not gonna do well today. I just I'm not, I'm not, I I I want I don't want to urge today. Or I don't want to do this. And it's like obviously I'm a Cox and I, Like you were saying, you can't relate to coxswains like like that, but you can relate to rowers. I'm the vice versa. So for me, right. when I hear a rower say that, I just know right there that he's not gonna do well today because he's his mindset is not there. And my coach yeah. taught me that. Uh, my coach was actually a part of California Rowing Club as well. Um oh, yeah. So, so he's he he was a very you know impactful guy. And had so much knowledge about the sport. Uh, that he was able to teach us a young, at a, you know, a young age. Um, for sure. Your coaches, how how vital is it to have a really good relationship with your coach in the end okay. result? Is it, is it really important?
0: Yeah, it's it's very important. And actually, one of my coaches for U23 is Michael Callahan. He's the head coach at University of Washington. Just to touch on that point, he said, and I completely agree, you will never line up on the start line feeling 100% amazing, 100% prepared, uh, like prepared, you know, there's always going to be something like, oh, well, that practice wasn't great. And, oh, well, these conditions aren't, oh, the, the boat's kind of like, so it's the same thing with lining up for an erg test. You're never going to be in a situation where you're like, I'm 100% ready for this. So you just got to know, like going into it, just be like, mentally, you have to tell yourself there's never going to be a scenario where I would feel 100% amazing. So I might as well just do what I can, no matter what the, the outcome is go put my best foot forward. Um, and then to answer your question, like coaches are really impactful, obviously, like they can change your framing they can of, of mindset. They can change your technique, um, provide other insights. Uh, you know, they can help you through plateaus, uh, if you hit them. Um, and then they can also be really good motivators too. Um, so having good coaches and just like good relationships with them is always helpful because, They're another set of eyes. Essentially, they're, they're a, you know, out on the launch, if you could just have an autonomous mirror, right? Big old mirror, like that's what they can be. Like, that's what they should be, if that makes sense. But there's no mirror that can go out and follow. So you can like check every stroke, like, but that's their job, you know, is to, is to show you and to tell you like, Oh, these, this is what you're doing. Correct. This is what you can improve on. And here's some drills. Like, So having a good relationship with them and not just thinking, oh, I know more than them. Oh, I can do like, no, like get that, that mentality to me makes slower rowers having the, oh, I I know more than this coach is like at the end of the day, everyone in the world knows something that you don't keep that in mind. Um, and, and having that good relationship with coaches can help you excel even more.
1: Wow. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for enlightening the viewers. Thank you for enlightening the people. Uh, yeah. What did you do to set yourself apart from the rest of the pack?
0: It's going to sound really cliche, but be coachable. Like if, if if a coach says one thing to you the entire practice, you better be doing that exact thing correctly every single stroke after he, he or she you know makes that comment. If it's, if it's, oh, don't drop your hands into the catch, and then they don't say anything to you for the rest of the 90 minutes, keep that in your head. I still remember uh, Tim McLaren, the first time that I came out here in January of 2020, he said to me, oh, um, don't roll your wrist kind of like, like upwards, like, like have it level and just kind of like a very, very light roll. And that was a random practice on a random afternoon that he said that to me and I still remember it. So it's, it's be coachable, you know, they're there to help you. They're there to give you insight to make you go faster. Um, and you know, if, if you're an athlete that does what the coaches ask, they're going to like you more because they're going to think that you're trying to give it your, your best effort,
1: all of this knowledge that you've been able to instill in the podcast and this whole time that we spent together. Thank you so much, Justin, uh, for everybody. I, I really don't have much questions for Justin at left. I just want him to do the very best he, he can to help be a, you know, pay it forward in the, in the rowing world and just keep doing what he's doing. He's doing fantastic things, being a great part of the u.s system and he's just doing the best job that he can to be the best person that he can be and just i just wanted to from the bottom of my heart say thank you so much because this is a really pivotal time for me in this podcast you're a huge 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 person that i've been wanting to have so thank you again and um i just wish you all the best in your endeavors and i cannot wait to see what you're able to accomplish in the next couple of years and beyond and hopefully have a relationship with you outside of Rome. you know what i'm saying so thank you so sure. much
0: yeah, well thank you again for having me and and I'll just to anyone listening, you know, I'm most active on Instagram, so if you are a high school rower or whatever it is, like feel free to shoot me a message and, and you know, I'll try and get back to you and provide some insight, you know, even even outside of the, what I've already talked about. But again, thank you very much for having me on this
1: podcast. I love ch- talking rowing, so I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Justin Best a Drexel men's rower alum and the U23 junior national team and current senior national team rower for the USA. Thank you so much, Justin, for taking the time to speak with me. Have a wonderful day.